Okay, guys, we're going to, today is an introductory lesson, so we're going to look at the book of Numbers. So today we're going to talk again, we've got to refresh our memory, because Numbers is one of the books of the law. The books of the law, if you see that referred to the law, it's often referred to as the law in the New Testament, it refers to the first five books. But we're going to talk about that, and then we're going to talk specifically about the book of Numbers today. Okay, so let's go through this together. First of all, let's talk about the books of the law. This is part of the first section of the Hebrew canon called the Torah, or the teachings, or the law. Okay, so, all right, so let's take each one of those phrases, Torah. You probably won't read that in your English translation. However, you will hear it in our society, maybe on the news, or if you've talked to somebody who's Jewish, they'll refer to the Torah. Okay, how many of you have heard that term before? The Torah, okay? The Torah refers to the first five books, okay? The, the word teachings is used in the New Testament. In the Gospels, Jesus will use that word, the teachings. Or the law. Okay, the law, which is also used not just in the Gospels, but it's used in the epistles. The Apostle Paul uses this term a lot. For instance, in books, letters to the Galatians and Romans, okay, talking about the law. So this is with reference to the first five books. Also, if you go through the Psalms, okay, just thinking about this, if you go through the Psalms, and you see where David writes saying, I delight in your law. Okay? Or, on your law, I meditate day and night. He'll say things like that. What's he talking about? He's talking about the legal code? No, he's talking about the first five books. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's talking about that his delight is in the first five books. Now, some of you are like, wow, we just went through Leviticus. How can anybody find delight in that? Well, there's it's the first five books. So today we're going to go through a book that has lots of narrative. Okay? Lots of narrative. Now, this section in the Septuagint is known as the Pentateuch, or the five scrolls. The Pentateuch is the Greek for... Five scrolls. So in the Septuagint, remember I told you this before, the Septuagint was the Greek translation of the Hebrew canon. Okay, the Greek translation of the Hebrew canon, which was written or translated around the times shortly after Alexander's the, the Great's death in the city of Alexandria, which was in Egypt during the Greek period of that time. Okay? After Genesis, each book begins with the conjunction and, except for numbers. And we're going to go talk about numbers today. So when you go through the books, the first conjunction, the first thing is and. So it's a continuation. So in a way, you could say that numbers fits in there. Maybe it's just continuation of Leviticus. Okay? But they all begin with the conjunction and. So, Genesis through Deuteronomy is a continuous account by Moses 
concerning creation through Moses' life. So these books are a continuous account from creation, which remember we saw that in the first 11 chapters of Genesis, up to Abraham and then all the way into Moses' life in Exodus, and especially Leviticus, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy are reflective of Moses' life, and the creation of this new, of, of the people Israel taking over the promised land. Okay? Now, let's talk about the book of Numbers. Okay? So that's what we're going to focus on uh, the rest of our time here is the book of Numbers. Why Numbers? Why that title? This seems to be an odd thing. Well, let's take a look, because you're going to be actually shocked what the Hebrew title is. Okay? In the Hebrew, the title is In the Wilderness or In the Desert of. Actually, to me, the Hebrew title actually reflects a little bit more about what's going on in the book. So the Hebrew title was reflective of what the what Numbers is about. It's about Israel in the wilderness journey for 40 years. Okay? So the Hebrew title was in the wilderness, or the word that was used for the title there could also be in the desert of. Okay? In the desert of. Now, because I want you to understand, when they talk about the wilderness in... Um, in these first five books, we're not talking about some national forest here in Pennsylvania. We're talking about desert, arid climate. Do you understand? Of the Sinai Peninsula. Okay? Now, this is not the first word of the book, but it is, the, it is in the first sentence, the fifth word. Now, it's interesting. The title comes from the first sentence, the fifth word. The fifth word there was in the wilderness or in the desert of. Do you understand what I'm saying? So this is not the first word of the book, but the in the first sentence, the fifth word. Okay, now, where did numbers come from? Well, that came from Septuagint, from the Septuagint translation. In the Septuagint, it is entitled Numbers because the census was taken twice in the book. Okay? Because you're kind of like, what? why numbers then? Well, the Greek translators, the Jewish Greek translators of the Septuagint chose numbers because in the book of Numbers you're going to see that there are two censuses. That is, two accounts of how many men there are in each tribe. Okay, we're going to see that when we get through it. So, the reason for this is that the book contains many numerical statistics. In this book, you're going to see that it contains many numerical statistics. So, you're going to see the fact of numbering coming up more than just in the censuses, but you're going to see it coming up several different times in this book, okay? In this book. So the English title Numbers is taken from the Septuagint. So the English title Numbers, what we have, is taken from the Septuagint translation, all right? 
So let's talk about a date. When was this book written? Okay, when was this book written? The last verse in the book, Numbers 36, 13, states the timing of when the book was written. So let me read you that, okay? Numbers chapter 36. These are the commandments and the judgments which the Lord commanded the children of Israel by the hand of Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. All right, so that doesn't tell me a date. Well, actually, it tells you where they're at, which tells you the date. So where are they at? They're on the plains. This was written while they were on the plains of Moab by the Jordan River across from where? Jericho. Now, why is that significant? Because when Moses dies, guess who crosses over the River Jordan? Israel with Joshua. And what's the first place they take? Jericho. Okay? Remember, they marched around Jericho. The walls fell down. Okay? So this tells you when this was written. This was written at the end of their wilderness journey before they enter into the promised land, okay? So, here's what I want you to see. It implies that the wilderness journey had been completed before entering the promised land. So actually, what you're going to see here, the book of Numbers is actually a record of the 40-year journey from when they left Mount Sinai to where they finally entered into the land. Forty years. Now, if you and I were to look at a map, okay, if you would look in the back of your Bible and look at a map, and you would look at the distance between Mount Sinai and entering into, uh, into the promised land across from, from Jericho, you would say, well, oh, that wouldn't take long. Even if you were going by horse or by foot, that wouldn't take 40 years. Why 40 years? Well, this book tells you why 40 years. Okay? Because it's not that long a journey. But there's a reason why 40 years. Okay? So we're going to see that in this book. So, the book of Numbers must be dated about 1406 B.C. Okay? Obviously before Moses' death the same year. So this is written sometime in 1406 B.C. in the same year that Moses died. Okay? Same year that Moses died. And what you're going to find out, folks, is Moses can't go into the promised land. Okay? He can't go into the promised land. He's allowed to see it, but he can't go into it. All right? So, so the book of Numbers... Some general observation, okay? The book of Numbers records the experiences of Israel during the 40-year wilderness journey. So this records the experiences that took place with them during the 40-year journey. So here's what you're going to find in the book of Numbers. You're going to find the story of Balaam. Remember Balaam and his donkey? Remember that in Sunday school? Okay, okay. 
Maybe you even taught it in Sunday school, Balaam and his donkey. Well, there's a bigger story there. It's actually Balaam and Balak, the king of Moab, all right? The donkey just happens to have a part in this story, all right? So we're going to see that. You're going to see Joshua and Caleb and the ten others who were sent into where? The promised land to what? Spy it out. And then the report they give. And God saying because they didn't want to go that they can't go. Well, then you're also going to see that the Israelites decide, we're going to go without God. So they leave to enter into the land, but Moses stays behind. And guess what? They get defeated at a place called Kadesh Barnea. And then from there starts the 40-year journey. It's all recorded here, all right? All recorded here. There are other things that are recorded here. So, the, the, in fact, you're going to see that there are at least two different rebellions against Moses' authority. Think about that. Two different times where the people of Israel and sometimes Moses' own family decide, who are you to be in charge? And you're going to see how God handles that. Whoa. Yeah, aren't you glad God doesn't act that way today? You know, you know what I'm saying? Because even Moses' own sister and Aaron challenge his authority. Now, who are you to speak? Why can't we speak? And God does something pretty drastic there that scares the bejeebies out of Aaron. Okay? And uh, so you're going to see that in this book. See, isn't that interesting? We... We get to Leviticus, we get bogged down by the law, we give up reading, but if we could just tough it out, then we would get over to Numbers. And even though there's some censuses that are taken and lists of names and so forth, there's some serious lessons to be learned in Numbers from these incidents that take place. And that's what we're going to look at over the next few weeks, okay? So the book of Numbers records the experiences of Israel during the 40-year wilderness journey. Now, parallels can be made between Israel in the wilderness and the life of a defeated Christian. Okay, because here's what can happen. This is what you got to guard against, okay? It's real easy to read the book of Numbers and say, Holy cow, what was the matter with those people? Man, you would have thought that they would know better. Man, they deserved what they got. Yeah, I mean, why would they do that? That was dumb. Hello? It could be the story of your Christian life, right? And how many others have looked at your life and said, Why did they do that? That was dumb. There are parallels here. And here's what you're going to see. It's interesting to me. Yes, you're going to see the judgment of God where he judges them and chastises them. But I'm actually blown away by God's patience and mercy and continued provision for them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Here, let me, let me just make this comment. This is a good place to make this comment, Okay. You know, as I'm getting older, okay, and I am getting older, okay, um, as I'm getting older in my walk with Jesus, I, 
I, I've come to a couple of conclusions. The, one of the conclusions is, is that our form of Christianity is intolerant. More so than God is. I'm just being honest with you. Church can be really intolerant, whereas God may be a little bit more tolerant than we are. Because when you look at the people he used, holy cow, would you would you select any of them? No, never. You know what I'm saying? But then why did he use us? Okay, so the other thing is, I've got to lighten up a little bit. Seriously, I've got to lighten up on people's lives. Because God lightens up with us. I mean, is he disappointed? Yes. Does he want something better for us? Yes. But he's patient with us. He's he, it's, it, The best illustration that I have that I can conclude is it's like a parent with a child. You, yes, you gotta, you got to do what you got to do, but you got to be patient because you got to have a long-term view in the molding of that child, not a short-term view. Do you understand what I'm saying? A long-term view, not a short-term view. Because it's the ultimate outcome that God is wanting us to... Do you understand what I'm saying? He didn't choose perfect people to work with. Okay? He didn't choose perfect people to work with. And that includes Israel. Folks, he's been dealing with Israel for 4,000 years. And he's going to continue to deal with them until they're ready to realize who he is. Do you understand what I'm saying? And he's been dealing with us for how many years? And nobody here... The more I read the scripture, the more I realize that there is never a time when I should think of myself as having arrived. Because you don't. And you haven't. If anything, as you get older and wiser in Jesus, the more you realize how much more of a mess up you are. Did you understand? And how much more the grace of God. You know what I'm saying? The grace of God. So there are parallels here that we can learn from between Israel in the wilderness and the defeated Christian life. You know, I had a professor, I, I mentioned him already, Dr. Rickards. Uh, you know, I did some one-on-one -on -one discipleship with him, and he often said that when you look at where, where Israel goes, this is in the book of Joshua, and where they face defeat, you could often find there's a parallel between that and your Christian life. And I thought, yeah, that's very true. Here it is. The book of Numbers shows God's character in his interactions with Israel. See, that's the really the biggest thing we need to understand. We're going to talk about that in the morning message today. We're going to talk about wrong assumptions that we have about God and how that can screw us up. But what I want you to see is, is that if you really want to understand who God is, he's the same God today as he was today, tomorrow, and in the future. He's the same God. If you want to understand who God is, look at how he interacts with Israel. Look at how he interacts with Moses. Okay? The book of Numbers shows God's character in his interactions with Israel. So what's the purpose of this book? Okay? The book details how the nation was to order itself as it journeyed in the wilderness. Now, you're going to find that God is a God of order. Uh, it, it is amazing to me. you got a million people who were camped out on a mountain. they got to start making the journey to Israel. And God sets them up as far as how they're supposed to travel. 
and the order of how they were supposed to travel. Did you understand? Even when they camped, the order in which they were to camp. Isn't that amazing? God tells them an order here. They weren't just mixed together. They were to have a certain order by tribes. Okay? By tribes. So the book details how the priests and Levites were to function during the journey. Okay, remember, they're the ones who serve the Lord. So there's obviously got to be a section there on how they're to function during the journey. Okay, how they were to act during the journey. Okay? So this book is going to tell you that. So the book details how Israel was to prepare for the conquest of Canaan and their lives in there. So here's, basically, this book is telling them how they were to prepare to take the land, and then they were supposed to tell them how they were to live in the land. This book tells them that. Alright? So how they were supposed to take the land, and then how they were supposed to and their lives in the land. Okay? So here's how we can divide the book. So this is where we're going to spend a little bit, the rest of our time. We're going to talk about the divisions. Okay? Um, numbers can be divided into three main sections. Now here's what I want you to do. If you want to look at your notes, I think the last page is a structured diagram. So this is always good to visually see how the book is divided, where the book is going, okay? So you're going to see that the structure is divided into three main sections. First of all, preparation for the departure. So you're going to see that that's the first section of the book. It's actually a, a good portion of the book, a third of the book. Then you're going to see that there is a discussion concerning the journey from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. Okay? And that covers about five, four to five chapters. Okay? So that's where they go up to Kadesh Barnea, where they're supposed to what? Enter into uh, the land. And it also includes in this section the report of the spies. All right? Then the last portion of the book is going to be the wilderness wanderings. Where for 40 years they wander in the wilderness. Really, it's until the last person from that generation who rejected died. Now, it is amazing to me because the scripture will tell you that during their journeys, their sandals never wore out. Do you know what I'm saying? How often, how often do you buy shoes? Once every 10 years? Do you guys buy shoes once every 10 years? Now, shoes have to be bought fairly regularly, right? Because they wear out, right? Do you know what I'm saying? They wear out, not just the soles wear out, I mean, but they wear out with the material on the inside, right? And, and they could deteriorate. How would you like to know that the sandals you've been wearing for 40 years don't wear out? Okay? I mean, that's God taking care of them, right? Okay? So, you're going to see the wilderness wanderings. Okay? So let's, let's take this. I'm gonna, I'm going to give you your, the structure of the book. You'll see it there in your notes. Okay? So first of all, there is the preparation for departure. We're going to see that in chapters 1 through chapter 10, verse 10. 
So, first of all, chapter 1 through chapter 4 is the order of the 12 tribes. The order of the 12 tribes. That's the very first thing. That's how they were to be ordered in their journey. Now, in chapters 5 through chapter 6, verse 27, you're going to see that there are some various laws that are mentioned and something called the Nazarite vow. Does anybody know what the Nazarite vow is? Who can tell me what the Nazarite vow is? Don't shave your head. Don't drink anything from the, don't eat or drink anything from the fruit of the vine, which to them would have been grapes. Okay, so that means no grape juice, no eating grapes, no drinking of wine. Okay. What else? There's one more component. They are not to touch anything that's dead. Okay, it is a vow that is made to the Lord. Now, the most famous example of that would be from the book of Judges, a dude by the name of who? Samson. However, there are some other folks who took the Nazarite vow. The Apostle Paul took the Nazarite vow. Now, he showed you, Samson, it was a lifetime vow. With the Apostle Paul, it's a vow that's taken periodically for a purpose, a spiritual purpose. Well, these laws that we're going to look at here in chapters 4 and 5 are going to express what the Nazarite vow is and the purpose for it, okay? Chapters 7 and 8 are the tabernacle offerings and service. Again, some listings there of the tabernacle offering and service. Then in chapter 9, they're going to have their Passover again. Okay, they're going to discuss the Passover. Then chapter 9, verse 15 through chapter 10, verse 10, we're going to see the covering cloud. The covering cloud, which is what? The Holy Spirit that's covering them. And the silver trumpets. Okay, the silver trumpets, the discussion of the silver trumpets, what they are, what's their purpose. That's the first section. Okay, the second section is the journey to Kadesh Barnea. We see that in chapters 10, verse 11, through chapter 14, verse 45. So we're going to see in chapter 10, the rest of chapter 10, verse 11 through 36, we're going to see the departure from Sinai. They're going to leave the plain in front of Mount Sinai. Then, here's what happens. Chapter 11 and chapter 12, we're going to see the rebellions of the people and Aaron and Miriam. Now, who's Miriam? Remember, that's Moses' older sister. We've seen her before. She's the one who watched after him in the what? When he was in the Nile in the basket, remember? Okay. Well, we've also seen her when they crossed over the Red Sea. We see her song being sung about the defeat of of, of the Egyptians. So she is a very prominent person in the nation of Israel. Well, something gets in their craw. We're going to see what it is here. Is Something gets in their craw about Moses, and they decide, who are you to be in charge? Okay? Who are you to be in charge? And guess what? God shows up and defends Moses. Here's what the interesting thing you're going to see is, uh, Moses never defends himself. God does. Now, it's interesting. We had a book here. I, need, I maybe need to order them again. We had a book here that we provided to you. It was uh, 
by A.W. Tozer, Five Vows of Spiritual Power. You guys remember that book? Maybe some of you got that book. You'll see that one of the vows is that Tozer lists there is, listen to this, never defend yourself. God will. I thought, wow. And you see that in Moses' life. In fact, the scripture will record that Moses was the most humble man ever. Most humble man ever. Well, we're going to see that. The rebellion of the people and Aaron and Miriam, chapter 11 and chapter 12. Then chapter 13 and chapter 14, we're going to see the 12 spies. It took one man from each of the 12 tribes, sent them into the promised land to spy out the land and bring back some of its fruits. And we're going to see their report. We're going to see their report. That's chapters 13 through chapter 14, verse 45. Then the rest of the book is the wilderness wanderings in chapter 17, verse 1, through chapters 36, verse 13. This is them traveling for 40 years, okay? 40 years in the wilderness, okay? So here's what you're going to see. Chapters 15 through chapters 22 is the journey to the plains of Moab. So you're going to see all the stories that are involved in the journey to the plains of Moab. Chapters 22, verse 2, through chapters 25, verse 18, we're going to see the story of Balaam, Balaam and the Moabites. Okay? That's where the story of the donkey comes in. But that's not the main part. That's just part of it. That's not the main part of what's going on here. And then in chapters 26, verse 1, through chapters 36, verse 13, you're going to see the preparation for Canaan. All right, so next week we're going to get into the first section, the preparation for the departure.